Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we are interviewing Reverend Dr. Ken Chetwood, an author of a resource on youthesource.com. The Youth eSource is LCMS Youth Ministry's resource website with over 1,700 different articles, Bible studies, skits, and discussion guides. There's a wealth of doctrinally reviewed, current, and helpful resources for your youth ministry. To find out more, go to youthesource.com and check out those resources. In the past months since the 2019 LCMS Youth Gathering, we have been posting Bible study resources by gathering speakers on the themes of the gathering or on hot topics. And today on the phone, we have one of the speakers who tackled a timely topic and also one that can allow us to explain a key teaching of Jesus and of the church. One of those key topics is around how we can help our youth form a Christian worldview. One of the practices of Healthy Youth Ministry we discuss is helping young people develop a resilient identity in Christ. And this resource we are talking about today can be so helpful in helping to talk about and develop that resiliency. With this is Reverend Dr. Ken Chitwood, an LCMS pastor who recently made a significant change in life along with his wife. Reverend Dr. Ken Chitwood is a religion scholar currently working as a journalist fellow with the University of Southern California's Center for Religion and Civic Culture's Spiritual Exemplars Project, and as an adjunct instructor with Concordia College, New York's Global Initiative Program. He graduated with his Ph.D. from the University of Florida in 2019, where he worked with the Department of Religion and the Center for Global Islamic Studies. While he worked on his studies, he also served as a parish pastor in different areas. Additionally, he has published works on religion and popular culture and other relevant topics. I know I very much enjoyed reading his religion blog in the Houston Chronicle when he lived in that area. Ken is wonderful at writing in a way to increase religious literacy. Dr. Chewood, welcome to the End Goals podcast. Oh, it's so good to be with you here today. I'm super excited to talk about uh, the youth e-source resources that are there and uh, just have fun chit-chatting with you guys. Great. You quite a vast resume, as we just heard Mark share just even a part of it here a minute ago. And you've taken uh, on a significant change in location, for sure, and uh, in the focus of your work. Uh, so you are joining us from on the phone from Germany. Is that correct? That is true, as they would say here, das stimmt. So, yeah, I am uh, living in Germany these days, which gives me major Lutheran street cred. Absolutely. So what are you and your wife doing vocationally, including for fun, in the great country of Germany? Yeah, so we moved here. Uh, Paula, my wife, uh, she is from Germany. She was born and raised here before she moved and lived in other places like Bosnia and Herzegovina and then the U.S. where we met. Uh, but she's doing her master's right now at Otto Friedrich University in Bamberg, uh, which is in an area called Oberfunken. Um, and we're here for the next year, and then uh, we'll continue living in Germany, but we're going to be moving to a different place uh, where we're going to be pursuing her career and kind of leaning into that because uh, she allowed me to finish my PhD and patiently waited for me to finish that <laughs> up. So I thought I'd return the favor. That was very kind of you. So speaking of the Lutheran street cred, have you visited any of the Lutheran Reformation sites or maybe even multiple times? What are some of your favorites that you check out when you're there in Germany? Yeah, so, um, yeah, that Lutheran street cred goes quite deep because my, my wife and her family are from, quote-unquote, Luther country. They ah. live uh, about 40 minutes from Erfurt, uh, where, where Luther 
uh, was was a monk, wow. and of course had some very uh, life transforming events in and around the area, and and that's where they go to work every day. My my in laws, uh, and that's where we do our shopping uh, on on weekends, <laughs> and cool. like go hang out and and all that. So it's kind of crazy. In fact, the first time that I went to Airfoot with Paula, uh, she was a, a horrible tour guide. She is amazing in so many different things. She speaks. <laughs> fluent English and German and Arabic, and she's an amazing teacher and, and so passionate about working with newcomers, whether they be immigrants or refugees, she's amazing, but she's just not a good tour guide. So we went to Erfurt, and I didn't see a single Luther site <laughs> the whole first time I went, nor the second time, nor the third time, nor the fourth time. I finally had to go on my own without my wife to go and see any of the Luther sites. But I've done a full Luther Country tour. We went to several spots in 2017 with the big mm. 500th anniversary celebration. And now it's kind of funny because we, we go to these places and we hang out in those places, but there's more stories than just the past. There's also a very relevant present. Mm. Um, and, and we've been seeing that from different angles, including in recent elections and people mm. using Luther as part of the election campaigns. And so it's been really interesting to be in the area of Luther Country, but to experience it uh, in the 21st century. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing more about that through your writing and engagement of that. I'm sure amazing things and fascinating things that you're seeing every day of your life over there. Yeah, I, I, I've already uh, wrote one piece about it, and uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing more, I promise. Great. So we asked this question of, of kind of all of our guests. Uh, curious to hear if you had a key moment uh, in your youth where Jesus brought you closer to him or the church. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that is so important to me and and that I've tried to um, kind of copy into my callings and in my ministry in the past and the present is um, just the very ongoing and constant and consistent presence of really great mentors and leaders throughout my life. I was uh, raised in a, in a household that took me to a Lutheran church um, at, for baptism and raised me in that tradition and first communion and, and, and confirmation. Um, and, and I had my time actually right after confirmation. I, I was not active in the church for a couple of years. And if you would have asked me, I would have said I'm not Christian in that time. Um, but I always had people that were around me that were just so very, so very present. They were just consistently there, even though I was a total jerk uh, and so rude and dismissive and just, oh, I can't even imagine now that I've like been a youth leader at churches, I, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what it was like to be around me. I was horrible. I still am. But like I was particularly horrible back then and so annoying and so full of myself. But like my dad, my dad, um, has been a Christian for less time than I have is mm. what I like to tell him. Cause I was baptized, uh, when I was like seven months old, he was baptized when I was five years old. Mm. Um, you know, so he came in with that like convert's passion, mm -hmm. uh, and, mm. and really dug deep into that, into like a, an old school Norwegian Lutheran family. Don't you know? Um, <laughs> and he was so great. And, and, and then my mom too, just this like red hymnal Lutheran, um, who's got it in her blood. And my grandmother, who's a church planner, uh, up in Northern California mm. at a church that she just started with um, a few other people in Bible study, a few other adults. And now that church is, you know, over a thousand people in three or four mm. different languages of worship. Like those mm. types of people have just always been in my life. And then I also had teachers and youth leaders. Um, Bob McKinney, mm. who's like a DCE legend, yeah. was my DCE. Oh, great. 
Uh, yeah, and he stepped into my life right at the time that I was at my jerkiest. Um, and and he just he loved the snot out of me, even though I didn't deserve it. Um, and and Bob and his family, they're just they're dear friends to me, and uh, and they helped me uh, in a time when I was really searching and really kind of out there. And um, as soon as I got back involved with the church, Bob made me a leader far too early. I mean, there were there were heresies, there were things done wrong. But Bob just continued to encourage me um, because I think the other big thing that happened to me in, in high school was that and I grew up in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles mm-hmm. area, and I, I dated my way through the world's religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my first, uh, you know, kind of girlfriend, she was kind of neo-pagan in a lot of ways. And then, you know, there was this Buddhist girl and there was this Methodist girl and then the Mormon girls were always inviting me to dances that were just like a bait and switch for elder so-and-so to talk to me about the, the book of Mormon and, and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I had Jewish friends and Muslim friends and, and people from all these different perspectives. And, and I, I see God at work in that and in that time, particularly for my current callings. Mm-hmm. Um, but also too to have those consistent mentors and teachers and leaders um, just encouraging me and shaping me and not giving up on me when they would have been totally allowed to do that. Like any sane person would have let me go. And all these, all these people just love me. Um, and so consistently that I, I couldn't help but kind of swing back into the church and then bring that experience with all these different people mm-hmm. in, into that as well. There's something beautiful about God's family rallying around young people uh, just showing grace and love in those times and just the, the beauty of uh, loving parents and supportive adults too, that we, we were doing some research uh, the last couple of years and just saw again, that importance of supportive adults who continue to invest in young people. Don't let them get away, show them love at the times when they need it the most. So we're so thankful for how that worked in your life. Now I'm sure that painted an interesting picture for you, as you talked about being a pastor to youth at times or a leader, maybe in specific roles. Um, what did you love about working with young people as a pastor or maybe in other forms of leadership that you may have had through your years? Yeah. Um, I, I love working with young people as a pastor, particularly because I was originally trained as a DCE. Woot. Uh, I was, I, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I was like DCE for life. That's how I was feeling. Like all these people, when you're a guy in the LCMS and you're studying to be DCE, everyone thinks you should become a pastor. Uh, and I was like strong on that saying, no, nah, I'm not going to be a pastor. That's, that's for the birds. Um, I'm going to be a DCE. And I, I went through the whole training at Concordia Irvine mm-hmm. and, and wonderful mentors there and wonderful experiences there. Um, got hired as a, as a youth director at a local church plant, which again, gave me leadership far too early, uh, far too young, <laughs> but it was very formative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I trained as a DC, went on my DC internship, uh, then did not take a call. So, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride when it comes to being a DC. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's cool. I still got my roots in, in DC training. And, we'll and when I did that, I was, uh-huh. I was, I was hopeful to be an adult ed DC. Okay. That's kind of why I went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I knew myself and I was like, I never want to work with those people. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, I got hired at, at this church plant in Southern California uh, Mount Hope, and I was 19 when they they made me the director of youth ministries at their church. Wow! And um, you know we had like six youth there at the time, and you know it's such a vital time in life vocationally, um, and 
and also just you know in terms of faith development mm-hmm. and and what I really appreciated about the youth there um, was how deep they were willing to go mm. and how they just took things so seriously and they leaned into really really tough stuff I mean I've never held back from really digging deep with students mm. at any level I you know, in writing and in teaching, people are always like, oh, well, folks don't read past a 10th grade level or, oh, well, you don't want to go that deep. And I've, I've been told that stuff so many times and I'm just like, nah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think I'm going to give more credit mm-hmm. to people than you're giving them. Um, and yeah, maybe they don't catch all of it, but the stuff they catch is going to take them deeper than 90 percent of the stuff they encounter. Mm-hmm. And And so I really appreciate working with young people they're willing to go so deep and they're willing to ask questions that adults don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there's appropriate teaching methods and all that, but you know, students can go there in a way, um, that I really appreciate. I think one, one, one story in particular that the youth group that I was with, which again was a major mistake of the church was all young women. And I was all of 19 and 20 when they made me youth director. Um, so I, I wouldn't make the same call as a pastor, but mm-hmm. my, but my pastor there was like, Oh no, sure. That'll work out. And everything was good. <laughs> kosher. But it came up one time that we were doing a study, uh, where they, I called it like a jukebox Bible study where they just gave me a song the week before. And then the next week I had to come up with a Bible study based on it. Oh, nice. That's wow. Intriguing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that was fun. And they of course gave me Fergie's, uh, my, my lumps. Uh, no. as as the song because um, they thought that was funny and it was um, but then I until it wasn't study. yeah right, <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I did a Bible study about the objectification of female bodies and with a with a group of young women mm. um, and you know we dug deep for like two hours in the Bible study and then our tradition was to go get frozen yogurt afterwards uh, and just kind of chill for a little while and, you know, we did that and I, I went back home at like 10 p.m. And then around like 1230 in the morning, I get a phone call from one of the youth. And that was weird because it's 1230 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm immediately concerned. And then second of all, uh, you know, youth don't call. They send texts. Uh, so I was <laughs> like, why are they calling? Something's gone down. Um, and then I picked up the phone. And they said, hey, we just left the Froyo place. And they've been talking for another two and a half, three wow. hours afterwards, processing this stuff and digging into this stuff. And they're like, I think we want to do like a whole study on this mm. and like go even more. And so that's what I've always really appreciated about youth is that, you know, they're, they're really willing to take conversations to places that a lot of other adults just don't. Um, and, and these are, these are young adults who really are, you know, intellectually and emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually mature and ready to dig in. And I've just always enjoyed doing that with them. Well, and you certainly had some uh, intense breakout sessions at the National Youth Gathering here in this past uh, LCMS Youth Gathering. You spoke on love thy Muslim neighbor, uh, choosing compassion over conflict as committed Christians, and what the hell, for heaven's sake, the latter being a session where it explored kind of biblical, historical, and contemporary visions of heaven and hell. Uh, some some intense topics there uh, with with the young people at um, at the gathering, uh, and we're going to have those uh, sessions available via podcast. But tell us a little bit about your experience uh, preparing for and giving uh, those sessions and perhaps some feedback you received from the youth and adults at the gathering. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's connected right to what I just said, right? Is that youth are willing to go there. Young adult leaders are willing to go there. You know, adults are, are, they're ready for some really difficult topics. And, you know, um, six years ago at the 2013 gathering, um, that was the first time someone asked me to do heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I came up with the title before anything else, because that's how any good Bible study starts. Um, (laughs) and, I was like, oh, I'm going to throw this out there and this will get knocked back and they'll tell me I can't do it. But I was like, what the hell, for heaven's sake. Um, and they accepted it, which it was like, what? That's great. <laughs> um, didn't think I'd ever get that passed. Who's in um, charge of that? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was pretty excited to, to tackle that. Um, because, I mean, as, as, you, as you've experienced, I'm sure, I mean, these are questions that come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, heaven and hell are murky weird topics mm-hmm. which i mean the bible on on one hand speaks a lot about heaven and hell um but it's really light on the details and is really high on 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 the metaphor and the simile and the emotion and so um this is stuff that we want to know about um and yet there's not much there and we filled in a lot of the gaps in terms of details with a lot of things mm-hmm. from our own imagination Mm-hmm. And and so I wanted to kind of unpack that for for youth and, and leaders to say, hey, um, a lot of the things we think we know about heaven and hell just aren't true, uh, and we need to focus on the things that that are true and that are more, I mean, honestly, just honest and and straightforward and and gospel oriented uh, than a lot of the junk that we've thrown in to the drawer when we when we pull out what we think we know about heaven and hell. And then on, on then on the love thy Muslim neighbor thing, I mean, I jumped into Islamic studies because I was 16 when 9/11 happened. Uh. I had two really dear Muslim friends, and I was like, hold on, what I'm hearing and seeing in the news doesn't seem to match up with my experiences with two really good friends who I hang out with, play volleyball with, and party with on the weekends. Um, so, what's the disconnect? Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of the feedback I've received on on both of these sessions is that there's often a disconnect between what people are experiencing and living and then what they hear from pulpits or from Christian leaders or what they hear from other folks around them. Um, and, and that's a struggle for young people. Sure. Uh, and I think there's some real good stuff to talk about from scripture and from uh, how we are called to live as Christians and in light of the gospel um, that just sometimes don't get through the filter of the junk that they hear about both of those topics. Great. Well, we knew um, when we were looking at your topics and starting the conversation, like you said, that is happening with young people, their adult leaders, their parents, their pastors, their churches, that we'd, we knew you had some topics that we wanted to allow for more unpacking to take place and stuff that they could kind of take home with them and continue that conversation, maybe in their context, be to be able to think about it more deeply. And so we, we were so excited that you were willing to write the resource that you did for the e-source and your Bible study is titled headlines and heartaches, current events in light of the gospel. And certainly as you were talking about too, the voices that we hear, the information we hear that in our information age, um, we can instantly know of news across the globe, um, can struggle with how to process that and kind of what all these occurrences mean or how they affect us. Um, and certainly we, as you probably see from the young people to themselves, want to know, how do I make a difference in light of the gospel for these friends I know that I care about that maybe think differently than me, than have different backgrounds. So, um, how do we build and grow, um, 
our Christian worldview that is faithful to Scripture and acknowledges also that beauty and complexity of our created world. And I think your studies do that so well. But I really want you to uh, maybe respond a little bit to how do you think of wrestling with that topic of current events um, and our foundation of Christian worldview is so important for youth today. Yeah, I mean, you've got your finger on the pulse, right? I mean, news is everywhere. It's just pervasive. Um, it's on our TVs, it's on our computers, it's on our phones, it's on social media, it's, you know, and however we access that, it's everywhere. And it's always changing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I write uh, as a reporter, uh, and I'm working on a story on this thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, you know, called Brexit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and people are talking about this all the time. It's been going on for years, and the situation changes every couple of seconds. Mm. Uh, you know, so I'm trying to write this story, and I can't write the story because it's constantly changing. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's about Christian reactions <laughs> or how to, how to Brexit like a Christian. And it's just like every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, time to rewrite the entire thing. Um, wow. And so, and, and that's, you know, a, a little piece of what everyone experiences is like i have to rewrite an article but a lot of us are receiving so much news and so many different events are happening uh that we're almost having to like rewrite our lives every time we check the news mm -hmm. because um we're, we're hearing new things or we're encountering new things and we don't like those new things so maybe we don't want to listen to the new anymore mm -hmm. we just want to listen to the comforting and 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 the, the traditional and what seems normal to us um, it's a contentious and polarized time. Uh, and for me, I guess I've always been taught uh, by the leaders who, who guided me and, and continue to guide me uh, that engaging with that stuff rather than turning away from that stuff or seeking purity from that stuff uh, is just what Christians do. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what we're called to do. I mean, incarnation in the flesh in the muck and the mess and the blood and in the midst of the sinews of this world is where we're supposed to be as Christ was uh, and is, right? So uh, Lem and Santa, who's a, uh, a departed saint, uh, who is also a scholar of religion and particular religion in Africa, he said that translation is the vintage mark of Christianity. Hmm. Um, that, is, that is what we are defined by as translation, just like the Bible's been translated into umpteen, you know, hundreds or thousands of different languages. So too, Christianity as a way of walking through the world has been translated into various times and places. There's this great, great verse that, that's so often missed in Acts chapter 17 when Paul's in front of the area of Pegasus. And, you know, we, we have this whole thing where he says, that altar to the unknown God. Well, I know who that God is, and it's Jesus, and he's resurrected. And, and that's such a great, you know, emphasis of that text. But there's this other verse that we often skip over that talks about God uh, kind of allotting the, the times and the places of different people groups, dwelling places, um, and, and kind of like God's involved in creating culture and, and setting mm -hmm. the boundaries of, of people groups and, and, and nations and states and even globalized societies. Um, and so it's like God's at work in this, and so we should lean into it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I, when I write this Bible story, I work on these topics for me, it's, it's less of a Christian worldview and, and that's not to knock your use of that language, but for me, it's more of a, a Christian way, right? A, a way of walking in this world that yeah. is engaged in translating the message of the gospel in, in thought and in word and deed, by the way we think about the world, so the worldview, but then also how we speak about the world with, with one another and with those outside of, of the community of Christ. And then also how we act 
with one another and, and those outside the community. And, and for me, that's a, it's not only an, an earthly thing, that's a cosmic thing. That's a cosmic openness and a cosmic experience. Um, as we get engaged with the very word of the universe the, the, through scripture and through baptism and communion, and then we bring that into a, an openness toward the world and experiences in the world, um, just like we're open to all the very fundamental uh, you know, word that created the universe, we're also open to the very fundamental and daily realities of the world we live in. And I think especially for junior high and high school students, as, uh, as they're beginning to be exposed to more of the world, as they're beginning mm -hmm. to get yeah. uh, to learn the practices of those things, how to have that Christian walk uh, in the world and how to work and wrestle through a lot of those things. Uh, they are trying to figure out how to respond to someone with whom they disagree or with someone who um, they're interacting with who maybe they've never been exposed to that kind of um, world worldview or thought or, or just perspective. Um, and it sounds like you certainly in your teenage years uh, had all sorts of exposure <laughs> to those things. Um, and so when you're kind of growing up and in your travels, you're writing... Uh, what kind of lessons have you learned about how to teach young people to listen well to others, um, especially those that are different than them? I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, which I thought was normal <laughs> when I was growing up there. I thought I thought that's just how the rest of the world was, too. Uh, I, I realized it's kind of a weird place as I as I ventured beyond. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, L.A. is is more and more normal. Yeah. These days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, yep. you don't have to live in Los Angeles to be uh, engaged with diversity, right? You, you don't have to travel to find the quote unquote other. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other is everywhere mm -hmm. in our world, even if we don't want them to be. Uh, you know, our world is constantly spreading out and speeding up. Uh, and, and youth are they're at the crux of that. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, if, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I've always learned that I have a lot to learn from youth because they're they're experiencing the world as it is in so many ways, mm -hmm. whereas I'm trying to teach them a better world that that was. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't like saying that. Yeah. I'm just 30 <laughs> and I'm not old yet, but Paula, you know, she, my wife, she's 10 years younger than me. And so, you know, she always calls me an old man. Uh, and, and she's right, because I'm like, I'm so old in so many ways. Um, but like, you know, even when I was 19 and working with this youth group, um, I was totally irrelevant by then. Um, but, you know, they were teaching me about encountering people in ways that I had not known or I had not learned. And I think a lot of youth leaders, you know, when people who work with youth, you know, youth bring these very critical questions about mm -hmm. diversity and difference um, into their church. And I think just a lot of churches don't know how to process it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so what they do is they shut down in, in one form or another, either they, you know, round up the wagons and get this very defensive posture, or they try to, you know, remain pure from and removed from the world. Um, or they make the mistake of just trying to be overly relevant to the world and just kind of completely going with the flow and losing any sort mm -hmm. of distinctiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that's less a problem in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but it's, 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 it's something that happens. And so those are kind of the three common reactions. Uh, and what we miss there is this very incarnational reaction that we are invited into by, by, by Christ. And, and youth are already living that. Mm -hmm. they, they cannot escape 
they cannot play the defensive role um, and, and they're forced to be in that world, whether they like it or not, or whether their parents like it or not, or whether their church likes it or not. Uh, and so there's this really opportunity uh, to, to show them that this is an invitation. This, this is an open door into what sometimes I call like a, a cosmopolitan Christianity, right? Thriving in the midst of difference um, as opposed to those other options. Um, and, and that's part of our tradition. I mean, Luther's got this great uh, Maundy Thursday sermon that was translated by President Harrison many moons ago um, called We All Become One Cake. And, and he's talking about communion and how we all get baked in together in communion. Like we take on all that Christ has and his righteousness and his goodness. And he takes on all that we have, all of our, our, our sin and our unrighteous aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also there's that horizontal dimension that we all take on what the other person around us shares. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, and he says, you, you take on what your brother or sister has and you take on their, their burdens and their experiences and they take on yours and then you go out into the world and you take on the world's experiences and you take on the world's burdens. Um, and, and youth are living that and they're open to that. And, and I think we should just lean into that. You know, at the same time, uh, Luther, the guy who wrote this sermon, he also struggled with the very diverse world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and he had a difficulty with certain people that were them or the other to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he didn't speak too kindly. He didn't speak too kindly of many people, but, uh, he, he didn't speak too kindly of, of particularly those who he was against. Um, and so we, we've got to wrestle with how does our Christian identity, you know, lean into and thrive in the midst of difference rather than, uh, become defensive against it. Because again, translation is this vintage mark of Christianity. It's what we do. Uh, and so how can we do that? And I, and I think that's a, a pretty robust and relevant conversation for us to be having right now. Absolutely. And I think that's something really appreciate about your studying your conversations is helping young people um, feel comfortable about that world that they're in and to be able to be able to express their Christian faith into that, to be able to love their neighbor. Um, also, I think engaging that conversation um, as congregations at large um, and helping our young people navigate to that. You've given us a lot of information in there and a lot of things to think about. And was just thinking about, is there any other uh, things that you hope young people would walk away with from this study? Yeah, and I, yeah, thank you for, for being um, uh, open to just letting me kind of go. I It's like water from a fire hose, <laughs> how some of my students sometimes describe it. Um, it's great. So it's it's a lot um, and, and all that. But yeah, I think for for anybody who, um, you know, encounters these studies, uh, I, I, I just really enjoy doing them, first of all. So I, I hope they catch my excitement <laughs> a little bit. Um, my, my perhaps, um, you know, zealotry, if you might say uh, about it, I was just really excited to dig in. Um, but also too, I, I hope for a deeper spirituality, um, you know, something that's really resonant, mm -hmm. um, that, that again, the, the very, the, the echoes of our world might be able to bounce off the very depth of the souls and, and the spirits of the people who are, are, are doing these studies. Um, that they, they'd find something there that really hums uh, in terms of their, their spirituality. And then also, too, a, a more supple posture toward the world. You know, when you, when you, when you touch a branch, um, if it's dry, it might break. Uh, I hope this fills people up um, so that they're more supple, that they're not dry towards the world <laughs> mm -hmm. when they encounter it, that instead they're, they're, they're willing to bend a little bit 
so that they might encounter it better. Um, and then my, my confirmation verse, which again, confirmation, sketchy time for me. Um, God bless Bob McKinney, took us on like a beach retreat, <laughs> go choose your confirmation verse out on the beach. It was supposed to be this really deep spiritual moment. And I opened up my Bible and like put my finger down and just chose the first <laughs> verse I could get so I could go surfing. Uh, and I, I chose 2 Timothy 1.7, uh, which is, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power mm-hmm. and of love and of self, sound mind or self-discipline. Um, it's, it's been pretty powerful in my life. Uh, almost, <laughs> almost as if the spirit was at work in my jaded, cynical reaction to my DCE's well-meaning spiritual practice. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that students get a sound mind out of this and, and also the power that is spoken in love, uh, in, in the language of love, but also particularly a sound mind. Uh, and then, and also too, I, I hope they get a spirit-led skepticism toward just-so stories and easy narratives, mm. no matter where they come from. Um, I think it's it's way too easy to offer up easy stuff or black and white answers sometimes when, again, youth and young adults um, are, are willing to go there and to go deep and to be gray because that's sometimes the experience that they're in. Mm-hmm. There are some clear gospel promises and some clear messages from Christ. I'm, I'm not trying to say that there's not, mm-hmm. uh, but there should be a healthy spirit-led skepticism toward a lot of the stuff that the world says mm-hmm. to us uh, and that the, the sometimes our brothers and sisters in Christ say to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, think, I think youth should be encouraged to ask questions and to be skeptical and to be the worst youth or student in the room who just keeps pestering their DCE uh, about this stuff. Um, because, I mean, you know, I'm not great, but I kept asking those questions and somehow I've stumbled mm. into being a pastor and a professor because I just kept asking questions. So, um, you know, it's pretty cool. I, I Again, I, I asked Bob so many questions. I had this great professor, Ashete Abatu Koira, who had taught me at Concordia Irvine and um, he's now passed. Uh, he taught me doctrine one and doctrine two, poor mm. guy, <laughs> you know, but uh, he, you know, he was just very gracious yeah. to continue to answer those questions. So I hope students will ask questions and, and, and dig deep and have that spirit led skepticism out of this as well. Well, Dr. Chaywood, we are thank you, thankful for all the insight you certainly have given to our young people, but also to our adults to go deep with students to, you know, even if where they don't feel comfortable, maybe they have all the answers to point them, one, to the answer and the promises, like you said, in Jesus, but certainly to be willing to walk with them, point them to answers, be with them in those questions, walk with them, continue to encourage them. So we are so thankful for you just giving uh, just one piece in a study to encourage us in doing that and also to give great information to our young people as they continue to wrestle with the world in which they live. And like you said, to be encouraged to go out into it, engage it, and show them the love of Christ in their many vocations and the way they serve. So thank you and God's blessings upon your continued writing and service and time in Germany and wherever God carries you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a great honor to be part of this podcast and to have a conversation with you all. Uh, and need to be connected to the U.S. and the LCMS uh, (laughs) all the way from here in Germany. One of the practices of Healthy Youth Ministry we discuss is helping young people develop a resilient identity in Christ. Uh, Parts of this process is for young people to identify with the life and mission of the Christian church and to seek to serve others, um, including those who may come from different backgrounds or have different beliefs. 
Um, really appreciate how Dr. Chickwood, um, in his session and in the study, hits on some of those helpful pieces about growing in our understanding of the mission of God's family um, and re- reaching out to those who may be outside those walls. And, outside and he connection. certainly had mm-hmm. a, a diversity yeah. in his high school experience right. that I did not have in my mm-hmm. high school experience in Topeka, Kansas. Shocker. Right. Uh, that we did not have a ton of, of diversity in our church or our school. Um, but I loved how he talked about uh, the need to develop that resiliency in, in young people um, through often, as he articulated it from his experience, uh, patience mm-hmm. as as youth kind of challenge and explore and have friends who maybe look very different uh, than than they do or um, have identities very different than they do um, how that can cause a push and a pull in a youth ministry that needs to be uh, we need to be okay with that we need to have a lot of grace for that and walk young people through that experience. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I and mean, he's talking about the effects of adults in his life too. About, I mean, just a word of encouragement to all of you adults, parents, pastors, commission ministers, lay people. I was thinking of like just planting the seeds. I mean, how the Holy Spirit used a person here, a person there, an experience here, the word of God here to plant the seed in his heart. And think about it, many young people in your church that that's going to be the case too. They're going to be able to reflect back and say, thank God for the family of God who rallied around me at different parts and different times. And maybe don't appreciate it right at the moment. Uh, but yet come to uh, later down in life to re- be reminded of, again, sh- grace being shown, God's word being shown, and his truth being shown, and what a beautiful thing that is in, in uh, so the lives of many young people. Yeah, because it can look like uh, a lot of things in youth group that, <laughs> that may um, take time to, to, to germinate and to mm-hmm. grow. Um, and often, you know, it, it's those young people who are pressing us hard, who are asking us to go deeper, who are asking the challenging questions that are really the ones uh, that maybe maybe as an adult leader you get frustrated by, uh, but are also the ones who I think are challenging us as as older experienced Christians to continue to think and um, and come up with ways that we teach and come up with ways that we share and ways to help develop that resiliency and that identity and their baptism that all young people have. Yeah, I think that was something. I mean, Jay, think about that too. I really appreciate him talking about the capacity that young people have, that they're being bombarded with information and ideas and concepts um, and and the scripture and Jesus has promises and answers to all those things. Um, and students are looking to go deep um, with their questions with God's word, with discussion, with relationships. And man, what a beautiful thing when the church can rally around that um, and be that place where those questions can be asked, where truth can be given to that, where, and also to learn from our young people too and about the reality of the world that they live in. Um, I think you're probably going to find that all generations in your church may want to be having some of these studies and conversations that young people are in because um, so often that's where they're um, getting hit with the information age and other things that are taking place. And so what a beautiful thing that can be to go deep into God's word, theological understanding of the world in which we live, and to walk with young people through that journey, uh, just an exciting process for churches. Well, and for all adults, I mean, you don't have to go very far to see the disagreements we have mm-hmm. in our world. I mean, it's front and center on, for me, social media every day um, and, and how we have sort of lost our capacity to have really good mm-hmm. conversations that build relationships and and uh, opportunities for us to share the gospel. And sometimes uh, disagreements can be these places that, that cut us off from uh, from that conversation that could be the evangelism tool that helps 
share Jesus with people. And so as we talk about resiliency, we really want young people to be thinking about how they can keep solid in their faith while building relationships who are with people who are different from them um, and navigating disagreements in that humble and loving way. Well, certainly we thank Dr. Chitwood for exploring these topics in his own way and through the headlines that we see in our feeds and TV news, newspapers, and other literature. Uh, Strengthened by Christ and His Word, we can engage the world and culture so that others may know Jesus as their Savior and friend. So maybe a couple of closing thoughts and questions, ways for you to process this in your youth ministry and start by thinking about how your young people react to, how they process through national headlines, local headlines, world headlines. And as they're exposed to that news and so much information today, how can we help them to respond uh, to that information in a gospel-centered way? How can we help focus them in God's word and look at that through the lens of faith rather than to believe all the lies that they see all around them? Another thing, too, is um, how have you seen discussing differences between people, whether that's viewpoints or race or politics, allow for young people to grow in their resiliency in the Christian faith? And also maybe where have you seen young people struggle with this conversation that takes place in our world? And how can that be an opportunity again for us to see how we vocationally deal with this as Christians? How do we share the word of God? How do we share the light of Christ um, into these many conversations and interactions that we have in our life so that others may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We continue to pray for you in your ministries as you work with the young people of our church body and as you help them to develop resiliency uh, in their baptismal identity as they grow in faith. And Gold Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.